first reading is John 15, 9 through 11. As the Father has loved me, so I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The preaching text is 1 John 4, 7 through 21. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone loves, is born of God, and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might love, might live through him in this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as a savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God and they abide in God. So we have known and believed that God has for us, God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of the judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us, those who say, I love God, and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or a sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and their sisters also. The word of the Lord. 
Brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And let us pray. Holy Spirit, fill us with your perfect love, which casts out fear. Amen. Well, for the past three Sundays, we've been taking a look at the letter of 1 John, and our focus for those three Sundays was on different types of words. We heard about God's tangible word to us, a word which we can hear and see and feel. We heard about our word of confession in response, of speaking the truth to which our heart clings. We heard about the world's false words, words which seek to draw us away from Jesus. Today, we hear not about words exactly, but about love. Now, love's not exactly a rare topic in the Bible, and my guess is that most of us could rattle off several Bible quotes about love without having to think very hard about it. Uh, so there's everyone's favorite memory verse, of course, John 3.16, which starts off, For God so loved the world. Uh, there's Jesus summing up the law with the two greatest commandments, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. There's Paul's famous description of love in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, and so on and so forth. Well, our passage today might be the most profound of all of these passages about love because it gives us an entirely new understanding of what real love is. It starts with an important word, beloved. Agapetoi in Greek, literally the agape ones. Right at the beginning, we hearers of this letter are named not according to our families or our occupations or our income, but rather as recipients of God's love, of God's agape. This extravagant agape love of God, this sacrificial self-emptying of Jesus Christ on our behalf, it immediately forms the basis of who we are. We are, whatever our other, other identities say, our, whether our occupation or our citizenship or our family, they are all secondary to this other one. We are the recipients of God's agape love. We are agape people. All of the instructions in this passage flow out of this miraculous truth that in Jesus Christ, God has chosen us and made us into God's agape people. Beloved, we read, agapetoi, let us agape one another, for agape is from God, and all who agape are born of God and know God. I mean, let that sink in for a moment. All who love, all who agape are born of God and know God. That's a profound statement, and at first glance, it seems like one that probably just about everybody could get on uh, board with. After all, just about everyone, Christian or otherwise, agrees that love is uh, the best thing that we humans have going for us. Just about everyone, Christian or otherwise, sees themselves as being for love and against hate. In fact, one of the worst insults someone can throw at you right now is that you or your beliefs or your actions are hateful rather than loving. 
or to quote uh, the Beatles, love is all you need. But if you pay attention to this passage, you'll notice that it talks about love in a way that our culture very rarely does. Because while our culture thinks of love from a human perspective as a gift that one human can give to another, the Bible, especially in our passage today, is clear that the only love that's really worth its salt find its source not in you or in me, but in God. Love, agape, is from God, we read in verse 7. And in verse 8, we hear that famous phrase, which is repeated again later, God is love. Now, I don't want you to hear that backwards. I don't want you to hear this as though we should start with our ideas of love and then, uh, you know, these ideas of warm feelings and affection and longing and then work backwards to discover what God is like. Rather, we start with God, who is the source of love, and then we learn about love from what we know about God, from what God has revealed to us. To put it another way, we don't define God in terms of what we know about human love. Rather, we define real love in terms of what we know about God. So verses 9 and 10 in this passage, they center us on exactly where our focus should be, and this is what we read. By this God's love was revealed among us, that God sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. To learn what this real love is, we don't look to ourselves, not even in our very best moments, but rather we look to God in Jesus Christ, and especially Jesus Christ on the cross for us. Unlike our love, the real agape love of God does not seek its own benefit or protection, but it rather moves Jesus to give himself away, pouring himself out even unto death for us sinners who would rather crucify him. Unlike our love, the real agape love of God is not dependent on emotion or desire but rather on the free choosing of God. Unlike our love, the real agape love of God comes not because of how lovable we are, but rather in spite of our hate-filled nature. Our human love, even in our best moments, pales in comparison, though we don't like to admit it. I mean, examine your own life and notice just how little your own love resembles that love of God for you. I mean, probably you could give up everything, and I do mean absolutely everything, for certain members of your family, children and grandchildren, for example, uh, occasionally spouses have a way of pulling this sort of love out of us. Fewer of us, I would guess, would give up everything, and again, I mean everything, for friends who are not a part of our families, though perhaps a few of us would. Almost none of us, however, would give up our lives and our livelihood for our enemies, for those whom we cannot stand and who cannot stand us, for those people in our society who commit the most heinous of crimes, for those whose way of life is opposed to ours. 
No, our love has limits. And yet it is precisely that kind of love, God's agape love, which ought to flow from his Christians. In my study this past week, I came across a quotation from Martin Luther on this passage, and I just want to share it with you. So Luther's speaking of this, uh, this perfect agape love, uh, this love to which we are called, and, and this is what he writes. He says, it doesn't happen in this present life, but it has to be postponed until the life to come. We, we do indeed receive the gift and the first fruits of the Spirit here so that we do begin to love, but this is very feeble. And then he goes on to say, indeed, one who loved God truly and perfectly would not be able to live very long but would soon be devoured by his love. Let me read that last line again. Indeed, one who loved God truly and perfectly would not be able to live very long, but would soon be devoured by his love. I mean, that sounds radically foolish to us, and according to the logic of the world, it is foolish. Yet this is precisely what became of Jesus as he poured himself out for us his enemies. In comparison to God's truly selfless love, our so-called love looks more like thinly disguised hate. We claim to be loving, but we withhold our resources and our livelihood. We stockpile it for ourselves, perhaps for our offspring, while millions go hungry. We claim to be loving, but we maintain relationships that benefit us, and we neglect those that take work. We claim to be loving, and yet we would rather keep silence and live comfortably than speak up for the needs of our neighbors. In the light of God's love, our love is shallow indeed. I mean, so what can this mean for us? Our passage today is clear. Whoever does not agape does not know God. And those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen, well, then they cannot love a God whom they have not seen. When you look at your life and your love in this way, it can be a frightening thing. Because to see the failure of your love is to know deeply that you are a sinner, by nature an enemy of God. But the good news for you and for me is that there is a perfect love that casts out fear, and that we are not the creators of this love. Rather, God is. We are the recipients of this love. For in Jesus Christ, the true agape love of God entered into a world of sinners, and in his sacrifice, he made atonement for you and for me and for all the other haters of God. And because of this, we can be confident, confident before God, because even though our meager spark of love is feeble and unworthy, Jesus Christ has made atonement for us and has set us free. On account of him and him alone, we are named agapetoi, 
agape people, beloved ones, recipients of God's love, so that we too may love selflessly, just as he first loved us. Amen.